Welcome. I'm glad you're here. I'm Audrey Grant, and in this podcast, we listen to Patricia Sands, the author of The Bridge Club, three-time award-winning book. And Patricia is a good friend of mine. Welcome, Patricia. It's great to have you here. This is actually my first podcast. I'm going to participate in social media, so I'm delighted that you're here because I love our friendship. Uh, You wrote The Bridge Club. You know I think it's a fantastic book. And I just wonder if you can tell us, how did that come about? Because people always say, oh, we should write a book about that. (laughs) But it just is an idea that floats through the conversation and never gets anywhere. So how did you manage? I gather it's kind of based on real life, is it? Definitely, yes. It's it's fiction based on fact. Yeah, Yeah. okay. But first of all, hi, Audrey. Hi. (laughs) Great to see you again. And uh, it's always been a source of great pride to me that you are such a fan of the Bridge Club. So uh, thank you for having me here today. Oh, I'm delighted. And how I started writing the book, well, um, I published the book in 2010. So I probably started writing around 2006. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but very sporadically. I would take time off. We'd go to France for a couple of months. I might not write while I was there. I'd start writing again when I came back. Mm-hmm. And the reason I began writing was because my husband had retired from practicing medicine. And uh, some health issues had begun to make changes mm-hmm. with his ability to do things. So we weren't playing golf, we weren't playing tennis in the winter in Florida as much as we had planned. And I had a bit of time on my hands. My real life bridge club had often said when we were killing ourselves laughing about whatever, uh, somebody should write a book about us and then we go, oh yeah, well who'd want to read it besides us? So that was sort of the impetus for mm-hmm. getting going with it. The seed had been planted, so That's to speak. right, yes. And I guess I you know, must have been pondering, what am I going to do with all this free time? I still went and played tennis and golf, but not mm-hmm. leaving my husband that much. So I began writing, and I also told the girls, the bridge club ladies, that I was doing this, and uh, they were all totally on board. And uh, and so they'd read bits and pieces just for fun. Yeah. And then it got to a point where they began to say, you know, you should think about publishing this, mm-hmm. Pat. You know, uh, you're telling women's stories. And mm-hmm. others would say, you know, my book club would read this. And it's it's a, that kind of a story. It's kind of inspirational for a couple of reasons. I mean, the writing I love, as you know. But the whole concept that you got a group of eight people together... Not, and it was just like um, an unwritten thing that you never said bad things about each other. I think that's pretty amazing, <laughs> really, just because it's very hard to get that many people together. And maybe mm-hmm. on the way home, it's that wouldn't you think? Wouldn't you think X and X might have happened? Wouldn't you think she would have remembered your birthday when the Bridge Club is meeting on your birthday? There was no cake. Ha, huh, wonder what that means. You know, and, and just I remember you had said that the group was one that it wasn't based on a friendship that remembered birthdays or this or that. But you know what I mean or do? Well, it sounds like I don't hang around with the right people well, or something. Well, but you don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, we often, we used to joke, we, we all often had friends who would say, your bridge club really sounds great. You know, can I come and we'd say, no, no outsiders allowed. Um, That in itself is pretty amazing. (laughs) And, um, 
you know, it wasn't that we didn't say bad things about each other. Um, we certainly were very honest with each other mm-hmm. about what was happening in our lives. And there were things going on sometimes that we didn't all agree upon. And, mm-hmm. and we voiced that, you know, like we could just always talk very openly and honestly with each other because, I mean, some of the girls had known each other since they were babies, some had been in kindergarten together, and then others of us had come in to form the group when we were all in Toronto around the ages of 19, Did you 20. live in the same area of Toronto? No, it wasn't, that. it wasn't that. Some of us were living at a girls' residence in Toronto called Georgina House. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the 60s, when young women came to Toronto, um, they stayed in a residence more often than getting an apartment on their own. It Mm -hmm. just wasn't quite done in the 60s. You know, things changed dramatically in the 70s. So there were a lot of girls' residences uh, in Toronto uh, at the time. And uh, this one was uh, owned and operated by the Anglican Church. I had a reference from the Archbishop of Moussini, (laughs) who was a personal friend of our families from when we lived in Kirkland Lake, Ontario, which is Mm -hmm. where my life first started. And um, so some of us were living in uh, Georgina House and met each other there and then knew one of the other women, mm-hmm. you know, she was from Oakville, so that woman came in and brought a couple of her friends, and that's kind of how it all got mm-hmm. started. And then once you had the the eight participants, you kind of huckered down with it. And I noticed in your book you said that originally it was about bridge, that it was about the love of this game of bridge, and wow, that's a powerful... Um, I don't know what you want to call it, force among eight people, because Mm -hmm. if it infiltrates and you get anything to do with who's better, how did you ever avoid that? Because there must have been a situation where some of of you were better card players. Oh, for sure. Definitely. So how did you handle that? Because sometimes that doesn't work. No. Well, in actual fact, there were 10 of us. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, um, and there still are 10 in the group, but sadly, two have passed away, mm-hmm. uh, and one is not well. Um, but uh, we started playing bridge because um, we might have been out partying the night before, <laughs> and we're not feeling really well the next day, and we had gotten you know, made plans to get together for the weekend, and so we'd, we'd play bridge. Mm-hmm. And some of the girls already knew how to play bridge. They had started playing at university. Mm-hmm. And uh, and others of us uh, were beginners. So there was no competition mm-hmm. uh, in the beginning. It was, Did you keep score? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't remember that far back if we kept score right from the beginning. Right. But, but I would but think that, we would because we're all pretty competitive. Right. And... Um, yeah, so, but it was never, and there were some that really got into duplicate mm-hmm. as the years went by, and others of us who really were not terribly interested in duplicate. And uh, and as I say, there were, in the real group, there were 10 of us. <laughs> so, uh, you know, often some of us took turns or somebody couldn't make it. Because what, what happened eventually was that we reached a point uh, where we were all working and had, you know, pretty structured lives, getting married and, and um, you know, moving into a different phase of our life. And so we said, okay, let's get together 
every Tuesday, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the last Tuesday of every month. We'll get together. We'll take turns at each other's home. So that's what we did, and we and would get together it. for dinner and bridge. And you know that that phrase. I think even Woody Allen said it about success. Eighty percent of it is showing, showing up. up. And your group, and I think you had put that in your book, and and that's what you did, isn't it? That mm-hmm. group really showed up. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to just read a passage from from your book because one of the things that when I was reading it and when I read it for the first time I had to call you because I like the way it described a situation that that we can relate to I just have it it marked here and we won't be I won't be a spoiler and tell (laughs) (laughs) why this situation occurred but um, it's a situation where one of the bridge club members goes home to her family and Jane is a name in the book And she wants to tell them something that isn't going to be met by approval. Mm -hmm. And in the days that probably we were brought up, it was still very important, I think, that we get the approval of our parents and what we Mm -hmm. did even long after we should have needed it or whatever. Mm -hmm. So this is a situation where things, the conversation in the living room hadn't gone quite as one would expect. And Jane's mom had left a bit prematurely, not angrily, but emotionally, quietly, went upstairs. And this is where Jane had said, well, maybe I'll stay overnight. And that was accepted that that would be indeed a good thing to do. So then here is your description. As Jane climbed into her old four-poster, still with pink linens like the one she loved as a teenager, She just hoped to get by the sinking feelings that she was experiencing. And just that image of the four-poster bed with the pink linen still there (laughs) and kind of the mum's attachment to the the room, even as much as the linen, Mm -hmm. you know, it didn't keep up with the times, probably. And then the part where Jane is in that bed and she hears her mother, I'm going to keep my wits about me, because honestly, in this book, there would be times when I had have to go to Starbucks and I'd be reading it and I'd be crying and they'd be coming and saying, you okay? But anyway, here it is. So she hears Jane, just her mother's gentle whisper of her name, Janie, I'm awake, Mum." she groggily responded and moved over to make more room. Lie down with me like you used to. Her mother settled on the bed beside her daughter, who had been a woman for many years now, and they instinctively joined hands as they had on so many nights over so many years when comfort was sought and love was shared. Wow. I mean, I I just think that's a fantastic picture of a problem that we all have. Mm -hmm. And considering the conflict that they'd had that preceded that, right? You know, and and the setting, the setting is, is so perfect. The poster bed, the pink linen, (laughs) and then this concept of just rolling over and just, you know, trying to, come to terms with a difference of opinion that was profound, you know. And I wonder, like in today's game, as you know, at one point. Bridgewood was a best-selling book of anything in the days of Ely Culbertson. And then it kind of fell off a little bit. And this bridge club, you know, if it could be repeated in some way, shape, or form with the adjustments to suit with the the times, 
But what frequently happens is the game prevails. And, you know, so you go to the club and what happens is who came first? How did you play hand six? Oh, you played second hand low, you should have, etc. And that power of this thing, it's like any other mental fitness thing. I mean, I've seen people get really enthused about Wordle and it's not about (laughs) friendship anymore. It's about (laughs) some other thing that I don't really know. So I don't know where you learn to, to write like that. Where, because it's, I think, you know, writing's being my hobby and then my profession, but to do a snapshot of an emotional event like that, it's pretty damned amazing to me. So I don't know, I thought Patricia secretly trained herself for this for years. <laughs> no, I didn't, and, and, you know, it all happened very suddenly, and, uh, but, you know, it was something that went on to become a very important part of the last 13 years of my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, after I published The Bridge Club, when I started hearing, hearing from readers that they really enjoyed the book and what else had mm-hmm. I written, I was like, well, um, nothing, <laughs> but give me a little time. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was, you know, busy... Um, taking, uh, doing writing workshops and taking Mm -hmm. courses and reading, just reading, 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 and particularly reading about writing. Mm -hmm. And I had become very involved with the online writing community then once I had uh, published the book, even before the book was published. There are amazing uh, writing groups Mm -hmm. online for all genres, no matter what you're interested in. And... um, uh, the the support and the uh, encouragement and the sharing of information mm-hmm. is uh, tremendous and always there are are uh, webinars and podcasts mm-hmm. on different aspects of writing and um, it's just amazing how much you can learn as and it's you sort of multi-age I find that's the beauty of the of the internet right now that uh, you know they had. Uh, just some praise of Tony Bennett and talked about, you know, how he had such a long life, but he communicated with people very much younger with duets and Uh things like that. And I think the media and social media and all of that has helped so that we're in sort of an ageless society now. Do you think that's true or... Um, to some extent, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I think there are certain areas that are geared more to different age groups. Uh, and uh, certainly I think TikTok is an example of yes. that. That, you know, really, really began with a younger group, but, but now has, you know, gradually made its way into um, uh, all ages, mm-hmm. if you look at it now. It's yeah, exactly. Of, it's, it's, I, I haven't gotten to uh, the point where I'm really interested in getting involved with TikTok, but I know a lot <laughs> of writers who are. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, social media, you know, there are positives and negatives to it, but I think really within the writing world, uh, most of the it positive. is very positive. Yeah. <laughs> what, excuse me, what do you think the culture did to be able to get eight women, whether they were women or men, who could actually not criticize each other. Because I I find that amazing, even driving from here to Starbucks. The criticism with, 
I don't know where you park, n not with the person if you, who's your passenger, mm -hmm. just generally mm -hmm. an attitude of, oh, gee, you cut me off or this or that. <laughs> Was it a different time? I don't know. Well, Sorry. No. <clears throat> you know, maybe part of it is that for some reason, you know, the reason that we all did bond so well and enjoy each other's company. Uh, was because we we're all kind of the same personalities, same type of personalities. You know, we're all pretty easygoing. Mm -hmm. We all have very strong values. We all like to have a good time. Um, I mean, we're getting together, five of us are getting together at a cottage uh, on the uh, Bruce Peninsula in two weeks, just mm -hmm. for a, a three-day weekend. Um some of the, the two other members uh, who are still with us uh, live on Vancouver Island and they were supposed to be joining us but something's come up and mm -hmm. they're not going to be able to come now but we will do a Zoom with them while we're at the cottage mm -hmm. and we Zoom with each other we started this during COVID um, the first Wednesday of every month at 6 o'clock the 80% again of showing up. That's fabulous. Yeah, we, we Zoom and, uh, you know, just talk about whatever's going on and still support each other. And, mm -hmm. and uh, a couple of the uh, women play bridge together online. Mm -hmm. um, I play bridge online, but usually with my husband, with other couples. Mm -hmm. um, but we will play bridge when we're at the cottage the five of us you know somebody will sit out somebody won't feel like playing mm -hmm. or we'll move around you know take turns it makes it makes dinner parties and socializing really straightforward in your book there's a lot of times where you say okay let's get out the cards like you know maybe when something becomes sort of heated and mm -hmm. it just <laughs> maybe goes into an area where maybe it shouldn't let's get the cards out and then you know, away it went. Well, that's it. I mean, we usually did. We'd have cocktails at six, dinner at seven, uh, and uh, one of one of our members is very precise about how our organization organization should be. We we used to have the, when somebody was getting married, we'd have a a shower at the farm property uh, of one of the members, and um, this particular member I'm just trying to do it without naming names mm -hmm. um, she was a phys ed teacher mm -hmm. so of course we knew she'd be there with her whistle <laughs> and and the scoreboard I think you mean literally too oh yes absolutely <laughs> and uh, yeah it was just hilarious times and we have a lot of photos from those days <laughs> which is really great but um, yeah so we would definitely play bridge after dinner unless you know sometimes there was a little bit of being overserved, and uh, and there might be there might be something going on in in one of the girls' lives, and she just needed to talk about it, you mm -hmm. know. So we might not play bridge that night, right? But most of the time we did. But you had, as you sometimes called it, your lifeboat or whatever. If That's things right. did become, and you know, there's. I think I told you about this. I like the concept of an ear dinner, eat and run, because <laughs> I think. There's something about getting together when everything is really great and then there comes that point, whether it's a dynamic discussion or whatever it is, where it just 
might go and if you have a distraction and the eat and run is okay it's two hours and 15 minutes and this is great and then everybody goes or eat and bridge eat and bridge yeah, I don't think exactly we ever did, i don't think we ever did an eat and run no but you <laughs> had that run <laughs> so from the bridge from the cards right yes once the right. cards are placed there the lifeboat is going to another island and well that's, that's right the, but certainly you know through the years as you know from the book i mean we we had issues that involved you know, very serious conversations. Yes. I mean, one of our one of one of the girls was an alcoholic, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, and there were a couple of divorces, and and uh, um, you know, there were situations that weren't always good. Mm -hmm. And but we talked about it, you know, and we were honest with each other. And was were there sort of women's issues as we see them now, through the four decades where you? Where you played bridge, I mean, about being discriminated against in their jobs or that sort of mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, when we started off, uh, it was still in, in marriages. Most of us were married. In, not everyone got married, but um, those of us who did um, was in the 70s. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of talk about, you know, were you a stay-at-home mom or were you working? And if you were working, how was that received? You know, that, that we did, as you know, anyone who grew up in the really, anyone who was, any boomers who were born in the latter half of the 40s yes. and lived through the 50s and 60s and 70s, you know, moving into early adulthood. I mean, we went, we lived through a lot of cultural changes. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Mom used to always say, you know, we never got to vote sort of thing, did, did you know? And, and, uh, so don't be too complaining about the situation because mm -hmm. you... But it did... There are tremendous cultural changes. You know, it's really fascinating because the sort of organizing group in North America, the American Contract Bridge League, for the first time ever, it has a female person at the head of it. And traditionally, it might have been called the CEO, which is mm -hmm. pretty amazing. But one of her... Isn't it about time? Yes, no kidding. It, it, it is, isn't it? Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, in conversations with her, she's saying... Um, by the way, I just want to say she's a competitive, capable bridge player. And one of her uh, goals was, uh, you know, when she finishes this job, she graduated from MIT and all of that sort of thing, was to become a world champion. So she's a competitive bridge player. Mm -hmm. But one of the things she was saying is it has to be social. There has to be laughter has to be fun. That's sort of the first thing. And, you know, the whole idea of introducing a bit, a very large group that's going to say social bridge is what the focus is. I mean, there used to be cartoons. Do you remember where people would be beating up each other physically <laughs> at the bridge table? And well, it, it probably led to divorce in some cases. Oh, I mean, it, I, I know couples who absolutely won't play with each other. Mm -hmm. if, we're, if my husband and I are playing bridge with them, they know, don't want to play. We, the, we split up. Yes, where the the women will play against the men or whatever. Yeah, they won't play with they, each other as couples. I mean, for for a long time, the Bennett murder case was a really big deal. Where this, you remember, the gal shot her yes. husband and then got <laughs> off, and I mean, it dominated the the airwaves, etc. So there's been kind of a complete change to the way. What you write about in the Bridge Club is now becoming really fashionable and not something that's inferior. 
you know, like it's only social bridge. Mm -hmm. It's not that anymore, which is really great. Do you have any like passages from the from the book I would that you could just read to us? <laughs> I mean, well, I just happened to have a copy <laughs> of the book here with a few passages I marked. I love... um, but one thing I did want to say is that I have become very aware, having uh, written this book, that I hear from a lot of readers who yep. tell me how they, you know, their bridge club's been going for forty years and and uh, oh you know that throughout North America and yeah. you know probably in other parts of the world too but in the states and Canada there are a lot of uh, a mm-hmm. lot of women who've been playing bridge together for a long time and, uh, yeah you know and uh, and they're kind of under the radar you don't hear about it it's just a wonderful it. thing yes, yeah because absolutely. it's just uh, you know it's it's a social thing mm-hmm. and uh, but a lot of those women do also play duplicate and sometimes within their group they play duplicate mm-hmm. like i have all the boards and everything <laughs> yeah we we have used them and uh, played duplicate a few times through the years a number of times i guess through the years and uh, and that's fun too, you know. Yeah, it's a different is, way of approaching mm-hmm. the game, isn't it? But I yeah. love that you gave me the opportunity in your tenth anniversary issue to include eight deals from the from the book that I love, which was you know how the person with the weakest hand is the most influential. So in in this new edition, you've got those. And, of course, we'll tell uh, our listeners later how they can actually go and see how just because you have nothing. You don't have to say, I don't get any cards, because you just might be the key person for that reason. Yes, and those lessons that you have set up, I (laughs) received the, the email with them last week, and they're wonderful. The setup is so clear. Oh, you mean the play part of yes. it? Yes. Yes. The play part is is just wonderful. I mean, anybody can go in and get involved in each one of those hands. And, yeah, and, I'm so and play it. Yeah. And they have personalities. You know, I think when you and I went over the first one, I think a few weeks ago, where you have only a queen mm-hmm. and your partner bid the suit, so you lead the queen. You have the queen and a little one, and you think, okay, that's it. I led my partner's suit. That was fantastic. And then your partner, you may have just studied signals, says, don't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> this can be something that really takes your breath away and makes you think, oh, that's it then. I'm sorry. I did what you wanted. You said you didn't like it, etc." But that's where I think those deals that, that you allowed us to put in that book, that collection. And, you know, of course, Dave does it where... The, with his world championship style mind, you know, uh-huh. says, you know, this is how you elicit power from having nothing. Uh-huh. I love that. I have it on my den upstairs. But I'd love to hear some of the just sure. some of the things that, that you've got there. But I do want to say too, Audrey, that really is a great honor to me that you were happy to uh, include the oh. eight bridge Yes, in here after the uh, those first eight chapters. Yeah, I so love to, doing uh, that. You know, as I say, when I first published the book in 2010, I didn't have the nerve to <laughs> approach the great Audrey Grant oh my to goodness. see if you. <laughs> and uh, so it's really it's a, it's a wonderful uh, honor for me to be able to say to people that the hands in this book are and courtesy of you. And now with the way life's changed that we can actually put it on the internet is amazing. Mm -hmm. 
I love that. Yeah. And yeah. everyone has access. Yeah, so that's yeah. really good. So let me hear some, yeah. as I say, I... I've cried about eight times in here. <laughs> well, I cried many times while I was writing it, <laughs> right, too. So. Yeah, well, I was looking at each, at each chapter and the different situations that were dealt with, and this was the one where Cass was getting a divorce, and uh, her son was only two, mm. so it was really, you know, quite a shock yes. to her that yeah. the marriage had deteriorated to that point. And I thought, isn't it interesting how things do change? So this is just a little bit uh, of uh, uh, the part where she was thinking about the fact that the divorce was on. Mm -hmm. Now she was over 30, a single mom on a rather limited income. In those days, when a woman left a marriage, she wasn't entitled to much of a settlement. Divorce law was in need of an overhaul, and it would happen too late for Cass. There were moments of despair and great guilt over the change she had brought into Jake's life. Kids are the innocent victims of divorce, no matter how you slice it, Bonnie commented to her one evening. And in my area of social work, we are usually dealing with the after effects. Nodding slowly, Cass agreed. No matter how right I know this is for me, I know the effect this will have on Jake. I need to make things good for him. That's right. And we know that's exactly what you'll do, Pam said. Yep, Cass nodded. You know me. Be positive is my blood type mm -hmm. and my philosophy. Wow. So that was the, that was the attitude, mm -hmm. you know. And I mean, I've, I've obviously read the book, and yet, you know, hearing that again, just the wondering when you know you can't, fix it and yet you know where are you going that's great a great passage to think you know and then they'll have to read along to see how it how it went and mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> that's right can you do some more for and, us and it? the thing is you know as you know this book is not uh, a standard format in that there isn't a plot mm. that weaves its way through the story. It's really more uh, a number of short stories right. that culminate at the end over this great crisis mm -hmm. that the women all face with one of the members of the group. And when I was writing it, and before I thought about publishing, uh, it was just an interesting project to create these eight chapters. Mm -hmm. I kept it to eight for bridge reasons and also with talking with all the girls in the in the group um, uh, there were a couple of stories that I didn't feel I had the right to tell. Right. And one of them was particularly poignant and about a, a child who died and mm -hmm. this sort of thing. So we had all agreed that yeah, it was good and I incorporated some of the personality traits mm -hmm. of the women who who don't have a chapter into some mm -hmm. of the other personalities. So that's why I say it's fact based on or fiction based on fact because it's not entirely 100% true. Right, but I it's pretty close to it. Embellished some of the chapters and and made up some stuff because that's the fun of writing fiction. But you know when you say like that it was it's like a a series of short stories, not mm -hmm. really a plot. I mean, I see a plot through that, those eight stories when I was reading it. And it's just that sometimes I was thinking, you know, you can get so, I was just thinking of myself, you get so 
tied up in what's happening to you that you forget about all the rest of it. But the, the plot with this is what I, I really couldn't believe, that everybody had something. It was like a category. This is a category of, you know, being separated or divorced uh-huh. and a small child, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the bottom line was, you know, how the hell are or excuse me how are you going to get through it you know there's a, a movie that just came out I don't know if you uh, saw this one Air it's about Nike the yes Mm-hmm. Did you know? Uh, did you see that? Mm-hmm. You know the one part where Matt Damon is giving this very emotional speech about you know you'll get everything and you'll be loved and all of this sort of thing, and then he takes a deep breath and then he says, and then the powers that be will systematically destroy you, and it's at that point that you will be able to find out what you're like, and then I think he says and will be behind you or whatever the heck it is. Uh-huh. But I thought, isn't that just the way it is? I knew we were getting together today. I thought that's the way the plot is in that book. It's the it's built up, you know, whatever, the weddings, the dresses, the cake, the whatever. And then it start and then what? And every chapter is the and then what? Can you do a couple <laughs> well, more? Because I love that. It, it eventually culminates in a major oh, crisis. Yes, that they the group all has to face together, and this was when I reached that point. This is when people were saying, you know, you really should consider publishing because these are all women's stories. Mm-hmm. These are many of these things most women have faced or friends of theirs right. have faced and so there are a lot of things that every woman can relate to and I thought well I'm not just going to publish a book with eight women's stories uh, something has to happen there oh has to be God. a reason why you get to know these eight women right. and of course there well, is well and we won't in that disclose, final chapter but, the, but this is I've just got goosebumps thinking about you know, yes. ultimate problems, et cetera, as, as you say, that, that sort of happened. You know, that, that one part that you just read about um, Cass, I could just imagine that in some conversations, you know, I'm leaving my house, blah, 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 whatever it is, and then I'm just saying that someone in the group says, well, this is going to be very serious, you'll never get over it. And that never happened in the group. It no. was always thinking, okay, how are we going to... What's going to happen to you? How are you going to get through it? Oh, for sure. And, uh, yeah, there was was never, uh, you know, a negative response Mm -hmm. to what was happening. And, uh, I mean, there there may be people saying, you know, I don't agree with that. I really don't think you should be doing that. It's different. Yeah, here's why I don't think it's a good idea, Mm -hmm. you know. But, and we talk about it. We just talk about it. I mean, it was, it was a very, and still is a very non-judgmental mm-hmm. situation. I mean, we we did have one particular situation that occurred later in the years in the Bridge Club, uh, the, around alcoholism, yeah. where we had <clears throat> to, you know, basically plan to do an intervention because we were all so concerned mm-hmm. about what was happening with this particular member. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, there were serious things and there were issues where 
everyone didn't agree, but we all would pull together as a group yeah. to find a solution. Can you read a couple more of those? Just I love the... the uh, well, let me see what I have here. And, uh, well, this is the one uh, about the one character, Bonnie, who was an alcoholic. And sadly, she's one of the women who has passed away in the mm-hmm. last few years. And, but she, she stopped drinking at 40 mm-hmm. and never looked back and did all sorts of counseling. And, mm-hmm. yeah, she was absolutely steadfast in, uh, in, in, in when she decided that was it, that was it. Yeah, Bonnie had, she started in the program and then she had a relapse and uh, just one day. But um, so then she's talking back with the group and talking about um, the different approaches mm-hmm. to that this particular uh, rehab place in Toronto. Bonnie said, you know, her shaking her head emphatically, her uh, former social worker persona came to the surface as she said, mm-hmm. it's important to understand. And one of the women had asked about withdrawal. Has that been difficult? Mm-hmm. And uh, Bonnie says, it's important to understand this impression is something else that's been embellished in books and movies. Not every alcoholic has the shakes and wild delirium. In fact, most of us haven't had major problems, although one guy had to be hospitalized. Most of us have had mild to moderate withdrawal since symptoms that they can deal with here. Not that we haven't needed support, and we definitely have had tremendous help, physically as well as psychologically. Uh, We're all getting an education from Havenwood, which was the fictional Mm -hmm. name of the uh, place she went to. They were almost back to where they began their walk, and Bonnie slowed the pace for a few minutes. I would say the most important lesson I've learned here is that I'm not responsible for my disease, Hmm. but I am responsible for my recovery. That's what is happening here. Hmm. And I always thought that that was, I remember Bonnie actually talking to us about that. Yeah. That, you know, what's past is past, but when you start in that program, or at least the program at this particular place, mm-hmm. it's all about moving forward. It's all about the recovery yeah. and that you are totally responsible for it, for that. It's how others react to your recovery, right? I, I love that line about it wasn't about remembering birthdays because there's so much that's just surfaced, right? Mm-hmm. And if we can just stop doing that, you know, I forgot your 65th birthday. Okay. Oops. Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, can, can we go out at another time or whatever? But I always ended the chapter with the cards coming out. Yes. And, and, the, and, the, and the game, the game was, was, you know, uh, I guess it's not politically correct anymore to say servant and master, but you owned the game, as we say. It didn't own you. Mm-hmm. But... Say something about also, I know, you know, you, you have this book, but you have written so many books, and your most recent book was, I know you don't, you underestimate it and all of that, but just talk about the title, and you did win an award for your last book. I did, yes. And, yes. and it was a substantial award, and just tell me, it's, it hasn't got any bridge in it. No, it doesn't, actually. <laughs> but just tell us just something about that, because and sure. if you can, we'll put it up, because um, anything you write, as I say, is 
really is, I just find, really to the bone in, in a lot of situations. Well, uh, as I said, you know, once I once the Bridge Club was published, um, I received emails from readers asking what else I had written. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I came to the realization that I really did enjoy writing. I'd become very involved with the writing community. Mm-hmm. And uh, being doing social media, posting blogs on my website, and I knew that I wanted to keep writing, and I uh, wanted to write about more mature women, and um, also I decided then <laughs> that I would set a book in the south of France, mm-hmm. and that started the next twelve years of my life with books writing books that are set in the south of France because my husband and I have gone every year for the last 25 years spent a lot of time there my heart lives there I feel like it's my second home so um and you didn't visit you actually lived there for periods not just a week right yes we started doing home exchanges and we would Mm -hmm. be there for a minimum of a month and sometimes longer and when I actually wrote or wanted to write the next book, The Promise of Provence, we rented a, an apartment for four months mm-hmm. in Antibes, which is between Nice and Cannes. And um, I set the story there, and that continued uh, with the next uh, eight books. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, seven but, books. And yeah. another one was set in another part of the south of France. And uh, so, yeah, so that has become something that I've continued with and I love to do Mm -hmm. and I still go back to France every year for the last eight years I've led a women's tour for um, it's a 12 day tour 16 Mm -hmm. women based on my books which is really fun Mm. and a totally unexpected uh, you know perk to uh, to writing, uh, it's uh, really a wonderful thing that I and do every year. And you'd be great at leading it because of the experience, just your first book, and and just all of the amazing things that it had. You wouldn't have to worry with you at the leadership that there'd be, you know, anything that might go astray. I, you know, as you know, after I'd I'd read your latest one, we went uh, to France last year, mm-hmm. and I could you know see, and you'd given me some contacts that I could see. Mm-hmm. Well, really, I, I sorry, I didn't answer your question about my my latest book. Yeah, which was a bit of a diversion from from the others. Mm-hmm. It was not specifically set in the south of France. Uh, it starts off in uh, Japan and Hawaii, mm-hmm. but eventually ends up in the south of France because. I wrote it, and I have to do that. Yeah. Um, But it's called The Secrets We Hide, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's a more serious uh, fiction story. And uh, it was awarded the uh, Book Excellence 2023 Mm -hmm. Award in Women's Fiction. Yeah, that's great. I was very pleased to to see that because it was, uh, I wrote it during COVID, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was uh, just a more challenging story for me to write. The, yeah. the usual stories that I'm writing uh, set in Antibes in the south of France and in uh, Provence, uh, I absolutely love writing those stories. Mm. And so whatever is happening in those stories is coming from my heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, um, the family issues that I had to deal with in The Secrets We Hide was, was just more of a challenge. 
uh, for me to write. But yeah. I certainly learned a lot, and I had a fantastic editor who really made it all very labor-intensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes that's the way it has to be to ultimately yeah. bring the book that you want it to be. It's a yeah. great it's a great book, and just the whole... You pick it up and you don't want to put it put it down. Well, you know, and that's sucks. the best thing you can say it about. That's music to my ears. Thank Any you for ears. joining me here in my first of official podcast going on social media. This is so exciting. <laughs> I can't wait to see what's coming next. I know Audrey. you've been asking me over the last few years, <laughs> did you do an entry yet? No, not yes, yet, but I, I'm going to. So I here we go. I did try very hard to get you in, onto Instagram. But <laughs> I know, but now, it's, now I'm actually going to be doing it. Thank very you. Very good. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed the listen. I look forward to seeing you again.